Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. If you wouldn't mind standing with me for a few more moments, it's our tradition here, or our custom here at Riverside to stand in the, re- in the honor of reading God's Word. Luke chapter 14 and starting at verse 1. It should be on the screens. There it is if you don't have it. It says, one Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. There was a man whose arms and legs were swollen, and Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls in a pit, don't you rush to get him out? And again, they could not answer. When Jesus noticed that they had all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit at the seats of honor, that's very key for what we're talking about tonight, the seats of honor, near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come to you and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Come on, let's give a hand clap for God's word. This is going to be the conclusion of our Kingdom Parable series. And so uh, I want to say a blessing over God's word. But before I do that, let me give you my title for tonight. Look at somebody and say this. Say, choose your seat. Choose your seat. Let's bless God's word. Dear Lord, we thank you for tonight. I pray that you would anoint me as I speak, that it would not be my words, but it would be your words. Speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. Open our, our, our hearts. Open our minds to receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen. Come on, high five one more person as you're being seated. Tell them they look good today. Choose your seat. Choose your seat. How many of you, when you get in a, in a social situation, you are very particular about the seat that you choose? My wife is very particular about the seats that are chosen at a dinner table. If we go to dinner with a big group of people, maybe it's people we know really well, maybe it's new friends, I've learned just to tell her, babe, just tell me where you want me to sit. Just tell me where you want me to sit because I'm probably going to get it wrong. So just tell me and she'll figure it out. Okay, this couple's going to sit there. Are we going to do guys on this side and ladies on this side? Are we going to, you know, do couples across from each other? How are we going to do this? You just figure it out and babe, just let me know. I'm not going to choose my seat in this situation. Um, But there's so many situations in life that we have to choose our seat. If you go to the movie theater now, usually you have to choose the seat if you're going to get a ticket online. And I'm pretty particular about that because I usually want to sit in the middle because I don't want to have to be, you know, turning my neck and watching the film the entire time. But also, 
I'm a pretty big guy, so I don't want to necessarily sit in the very middle because then I'm going to have to, you know, do the little awkward scoot down the aisle and step on somebody's shoes and step on their popcorn and, you know, somebody's got their purse down there. And it, it, it's a big deal choosing a seat. You go to a, a, a sporting event. Maybe you want to be close if it's open seating, but then you also have to think about the traffic when you leave. So you're like, okay, I want to be close. But then also, I want to leave before the traffic hits. So where I got to be very particular. I got to strategize about this. But I think one of the, the biggest places that this really happens for us is at weddings. And that's what the parable is talking about. It's talking about going to a wedding, going to a feast. And if you've ever been to a wedding, usually there, there's only really two options. There's either going to be assigned seating or it's a free-for-all. And assigned seating is nice in sometimes because the assigned seating, you know where you're supposed to sit, but assigned seating usually goes like this. The closer you are to the wedding party, the closer you are to the bride and groom, that basically means they like you more. That, that's what it means. So sometimes it can kind of hurt you a little bit because you show up to the wedding and you're like, I thought we were closer than this. Okay, I, I thought I was like a third row person, but now I'm a seventh row person. You got me over here by the restrooms, and, it, you know, I can hear the toilet flush, and this is just awkward. Okay, I got a seat, but I, I'm in the very back. But then if it's a free-for-all, it can be a little even more awkward because you have those people that they should know that they're not second, third row type of people. You know, it's like you don't even know the name of the people that are getting married. Like this is a... You just got an invitation because you're the, 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 the bride's mother's future son-in-law that was married one time, twice removed, and used to work at the same job. And, okay, you should know. You're supposed to go to the back. But it's always those people that want to be right front and center. And then it gets awkward because it's like, hey, um, you know, the, the grandmother needs to sit in that seat. I think they, and, and they're like, this is my seat. I got here first. It's like, okay, but, you know, I need, you, I need you to get out because you're not that good. You're, you are not that honored. We don't love you that much. We love you. You got to invite, but we don't love you that much. And, and so you, you have all these different situations. You have on an, on an airplane where, you know, maybe it's, you're going on Southwest, which I don't like Southwest because of this reason. I don't want to choose my own seat. I don't want to fight for a seat. I want you to tell me I'm in 11B. I want to choose the, the aisle seat because my legs are big, and I want to stick my legs out in the aisle. I don't want to have to fight for my seat. But on Southwest, everybody's got to fight for their seat, and they're like, okay, I want to be at the front. They're all the same seats. You don't get a free first-class seat. Like, why are you fighting for the front? But we're always fighting for these seats. And what I realized is I started to think about these seats is what when you choose a seat, it's really you choosing what you care about. So if you care about being really close to the action, you want to be at the front. If you care about leaving early, if you're one of those people that's like, hey, we're going to dip out a little early, you want to be at the back. If you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be awkward. You're, you're an introvert. You're like, hey, I want to take my picture. I want to wave at them, and then we're leaving. We're not even going to stay for the food. We're going to pick up Whataburger on the way home, and we're going to leave. The, the, the seat that you choose, the, 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 the seating arrangement that you choose, it shows what you care about. It shows the priority in your life. And that's what this parable is talking about. It's talking about this feast where people are invited and they're choosing their seat. And I want to set this up for you a little bit. This is in a Pharisee's house. This is kind of a well-to-do group of people. These are people that would have had a certain status in life. They would have had a certain status in the society. And it was very important where they sat. 
Because for us, you know, we joke about, okay, we're going to sit here or there. But for them, it was a very big deal. The closer you were to the head of the table, the more important you were. So these Pharisees, they wanted to be seated in a particular order, and they wanted to make sure that they were in the highest rank possible. And really, they wanted to make sure that nobody who was lesser than them got more honored than them. So they're all looking around. Hey, you don't belong in that seat. I'm more important than you. I'm, I have more money than you. I have more status than you. I have more education than you. And even though they were Jews, they had been heavily influenced by the Roman culture. And the Roman culture was all about status. In fact, even to be a Roman citizen, it wasn't just like you were born and you, you just automatically became a Roman citizen like it is in the United States. You had to have money either to, to buy your way into citizenship or you had to do certain things in the military to become an actual citizen. That's why it's so important when Paul, when he's being persecuted and when he's arrested, when he tells them that he's a citizen, it automatically tells everyone around him, okay, this guy has some status in life. This guy has some authority in life. And so the Roman culture of trying to seem important, trying to seem like you have more than someone else had crept into this religious group of people. And I know that, seemed, that would never happen in today's world, right? Like culture would never creep into the church today, right? That's a joke. You can laugh. It's okay. So they were trying to set themselves up. They were trying to seem like they were better than someone else. And we find that it's the same in our world today. That as we go into different types of situations, we're almost trained from birth, from a young age. You need to make yourself look as good as possible. You need to make yourself seem as good as possible, even if you have to fake it until you make it. Just act like you're educated. Just act like you've got money. Just, just act like you've got it all together. Seem like you're better than people. Because the, the, the seats, it wasn't really about the seats. The seats were probably all the same. The food was all gonna be the same. The meal was gonna be the same. The experience was gonna be the same. It wasn't about the seat. It was about them showing their status. It was about them showing how important they are, that they have it all together, and that they're better than you because they have a better seat than you. That they're better than you because of their rank at the table, because of where they're placed at the table, they wanted the best seat so that they could be seen by other people. Think about this for a moment. It wasn't even gonna, it wasn't gonna do anything for them. Where you seat, sit at the table doesn't really change your experience in this parable. It's all about what other people see. It's all about how other people treat you. And so it's wanting to show your status to other people. It's wanting to say, hey, I've got a lot of money. I'm somebody. I think that's what so many people in the world today are seeking. It's just, hey, I wanna be somebody. I don't care if it's through sports. I don't care if it's through fashion. I don't care if it's through business. I just want somebody to think that I'm special. I want somebody to think that I have it all together. I want somebody to think that I have a place of status. And this is what I think is so crucial is they were concerned about their earthly status. They were concerned about their status at the table. They were concerned about their status in society, but God was concerned, God is concerned about the status of their soul. 
Are you more concerned about the status that you have in society, the rank that you have in society, what other people think about you, or are you concerned about what God thinks about you? Are you concerned about the status of your soul, that I am loved by God, that I am saved, that I've been filled with the Spirit, or are you worried about what other people think about you? Does it matter what other people think about you, or does it matter what God thinks about you? Does it matter that other people affirm you or does it matter that God affirms you? Because here's the thing, if you're a believer in this place, if you've given your life to Christ, you are a son, you are a daughter of Christ, God already affirms you. Whether you do anything else in your life, whether you prove anybody wrong, whether you prove anybody right, whether you achieve the goals that you have in your mind, none of that matters. God already approves of you. He already loves you. He already died for you. What else can he do for you to show that he loves you? That it's not about the status in society, it's about the status of your soul. And that's what Jesus was getting at. He was saying, you've got all these important people here. The person that you really should be worried about is this sickly man. And the only reason that they invited that sick man is because they wanted to test Jesus and they wanted to tempt Jesus. Because in their religious tradition, if they would have been honest, they did think that it was a sin to heal on the Sabbath because healing was considered work. But they also knew that if God heals someone, that obviously it's God's will. So you can't say, well, God's will is a sin. So they were trying to trick Jesus. That's why they didn't answer. One translation says that he asked them the question and they were silent. And then it says he answered them. So Jesus knew what they were thinking, even though they didn't say it out loud, he answered what they were thinking in their mind. The only reason they even brought him there was to tempt Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, you're worried about all these important people that are coming. You're worried about impressing all these people around you. And I'm about to flip this whole thing around. Because that's what a lot of the parables are. Really all the parables are paradoxes. Jesus loves to present us with these paradoxes. He loves to flip things upside down. He loves to say things like, if you wanna save your life, you lose it. What? If you wanna lead, if you wanna be the highest, you need to be the lowest. What? The way, the way up is actually down. The way to gain is actually to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. God, this doesn't make sense. What are you saying? Jesus is trying to say the way that you do things, the way that you set up the table, the way that you look at people, the way that you look at society isn't the way that I look at people. The way that we do things, the way that we treat people isn't the way that God treats people because we do things that seem right in our eyes. I gotta have this, the head of the table. I gotta show people how important I am. But Jesus is like, that's not what it's about. So, so he presents us with this paradox and I wanna kinda slow down for a minute and, and, and walk us through and teach for a few moments about these different seats that we can take. These different seats that we can have. The first seat that we're introduced to is really what I call the seat of pride. In verse seven, it says, when Jesus noticed that they had all come to dinner, they were trying to sit at the seats of honor near the head of the table. Now, this is the seat that we would normally choose for ourselves. If we're being honest, we would choose this seat for ourselves. I want people to admire me. I want people to look at me. I want people to respect me. I want people to honor me. I want people to see how important I am. 
I want to sit at the head of the table. And when we're honest, when we look at the world around us, this is the norm. It's actually even celebrated. And as I was preparing this message, I didn't even really realize, but today, this month is actually Pride Month. And I don't want to get too heavy in the details, but I just want to show that our culture celebrates pride. It celebrates making it all about me. How, how much can I push other people down so that I can be lifted up? How much can I cheat other people so that I can make more money? How, how much can I insult other people so that I feel good about myself? It it's it all goes back to pride. It's all about you, whatever you wanna do, whatever you feel, you're the highest authority, you're right, do what you wanna do. That's what pride is. But honestly, all sin comes back to pride. Whenever you look at a sin, it all comes back to you thinking that you know better than God. You thinking you know better than the word of God. You thinking that, and me thinking, all of us thinking, all of us thinking that I know better what to do with my life. I know better to, to what to do with my relationships. I know better what to do with my sexuality. I know better what to do with my money. God, I don't wanna read what your word has to say about my money. I took a budgeting class in college. I know how to deal with my money. But it all comes back to pride. Pride is putting yourself above Christ. Putting yourself above the word of God. Pride is what caused Satan to get kicked out of heaven. To think that he could be equal with God. I, I, I wanna get a little, you know, God's getting a lot, of, a lot of praise right now. God's getting a lot of attention right now. I, I want a little bit of that for myself. I want a little bit of that for me. Pride is what caused Adam and Eve to get kicked out of Eden. God doesn't know what's best for your life. God's scared that you're gonna have all the knowledge that he has. Don't, don't, don't you wanna have equality with God? Don't you wanna be the same as God? Don't you wanna be as big? Don't you wanna have a better seat at the table? Come on, all you have to do is eat this apple. All, all you have to do is take this step. All you have to do is make this decision. All you have to do is fudge the numbers. All you have to do is keep that thing secret. All, all, all you have to do is lie to this person or lie to that person. All, all you have to do is make this statement or that statement. And trust me, your life is gonna be better. That's pride. But this is what the word of God says about pride. James chapter four, verse six says, he gives grace generously. Come on, I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I'm so thankful that he gives generously. But ooh, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's pretty big words. Opposes the proud. Not only is God not gonna be on your side, he's actually gonna oppose you. Proverbs chapter eight, verse 13 says, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, always look back and see what it's there for. It's an old Bible joke, but it's actually, it's actually good to use. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance. So if I hate evil and I hate pride and arrogance, what does that make pride and arrogance? It makes it evil. I hate pride and and arrogance, corruption, and perverse speech. One more, Proverbs chapter 16, verse five. All who fear the Lord, oh, sorry, that's the same scripture, did it twice. You get the point. 
So there's the seat of pride. And if you choose to sit in the seat of pride in your life, if you go into situations and you choose the seat of pride, the seat of pride will always lead to the next seat, and that's the seat of humiliation. The seat of pride always leads to the seat of humiliation. Verse nine says, the host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Now I wanna talk about humiliation for a moment because I think many of us, this is a seat that people can put us in. This is a seat that maybe you didn't want for yourself, but someone put you here. Someone talked about how bad you were. Someone talked about how you would never be good enough, how you, would ne- you were the, the, the least sibling, that you'd never live up to what your other siblings did or you'd never live up to what your parents did or, or, or maybe that you would be just like your parents or you would be just like those who went before you. Maybe they didn't have the greatest lot in life and you were told that that's all you're ever gonna be and people will put that humiliation on us. But also we can choose to stay in a seat of humiliation. Now, just stick with me here for a second because even though it's humiliation, even though it's us looking at, man, my life is so messed up, my life is so bad, I, I, I don't know how it could get any worse. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands how rough it is. The seat of humiliation is still rooted in pride because you're still making it all about you. Even though you're saying my life is so bad and, my, and I'll never be good enough and I'll never live up to this and I'll never do this and that, it's still all about me, 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 me. It's all about what I can't do, what I can't achieve, what I'll never get, where I'll never go. Man, I'll, I'll never go to that college. Man, I'll never go to be able to go to that vacation that I wanna go on. I'll never be able to be like those people I see on social media. What is it about? It's about me, me, me. And so even though you're taken to the lowest seat of the table, you're still focusing on yourself. You're still focusing on pride. So it's not really even about if you're at the top or at the bottom, it's about what you're focused on. Because I think there are people that are quote unquote living a great life in the world's eyes that maybe have all the money, maybe have all the status and they're filled with pride. And then you have people that are maybe in the down and out, people that are struggling and they can be filled with pride as well. Even the the prophet Elijah, when he called down fire from heaven and he killed all the false prophets, a few days later, he was complaining to God and he was saying, God, there's nobody as righteous as me. There's nobody as holy as me. Everybody's against me, God. Nobody loves me, everybody. And, And God says, no, there's thousands that are as righteous as you actually. There's thousands that are as holy as you. Actually, you think you've got the worst of all. All of these people are going through the same thing you're going through right now, but you're focused on you. Instead of being focused on other people, instead of being focused on God, instead of being focused on him taking you out of that situation, you're still focused on you. So seat of pride, seat of humiliation. And then now we're kind of getting in, we're gonna kind of take it into the good stuff now, okay? Imagine if I was just like, God bless you, you can go home. (laughs) Then we get into the seat of humility, the seat of humility. Verse 10, Jesus says, instead, instead, 
take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Take the lowest place. Now, the seat of humiliation and the seat of humility look very similar at first. And if you're a prideful person, you'll probably say, well, if I do it God's way, or if I get humiliated by people, I end up in the same place. That's still pride talking. Because you're still thinking about where are you gonna end up? What are people gonna think about you? Well, I don't wanna do it God's way. I mean, I I see believers that are struggling all the time. Why should I follow God? I'm struggling already. What's God got for me? All about me, all about me, 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 I, I. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. It's not thinking about how bad you are because humiliation again is, man, this is so rough on me. This is, man, what's everybody gonna think about me? I'm so upset right now. But humility is, I'm not even really thinking about myself in this situation. It's not even really about me in this situation. Humility is when I'm focused on God and other people. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says this, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So God is first, and then other people have to be at least equal to you, if not above you. Because most of us, we say, okay, God's first, then it's me, then it's kind of everybody else. God will kind of take care of them. But that's not the seed of humility. See, the seed of humility is you're just happy you got invited to the party. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but many times in my life, I'm just thankful to be in the room. <laughs> I'm just thankful that I got an invite. I'm thankful that I get a free meal. I, I'm not even worried where I'm seated at the table. I'm just thankful for the free food. It's the seed of humility. I'm just happy to be at the table. I'm not worried about my position. I'm not worried about my status. I'm not worried about what people think of me. I'm just thankful to be at the table. And what the Pharisees should have realized, but they missed it, is that they were at the table with the Messiah. Instead of focusing on your position and your status and what the people thought about you around you, the people that probably don't even care about you, Newsflash, no one's thinking about you because they're all thinking about themselves. (laughs) What are people going to think about me? Nothing, because they're all thinking about themselves. People are probably probably really wondering what I'm going through right now. No, they're thinking about what they're going through. But they should have been focused that they're at the seat. They're seated at the table with a Messiah. He had just healed someone. They don't even acknowledge it. They don't, they don't bow down. They don't ask for forgiveness. They don't ask Jesus, show us more. Jesus, can you, can you heal us? Jesus, can you give us a breakthrough? No, 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 it's just, well, he healed somebody. What else can you do, Jesus? No, let's get back, let's get back, to, our, let's get back to our societal standing. Let's get back to the way we do things. Let's get back to life as normal. God comes into your life and does something incredible. Yeah, that was great, Jesus, but let me get back to how things are supposed to be. Let me get back to life as normal. Let me get back to my plans and my routines because we wanna keep up the status quo. We wanna keep up with it. We've worked so hard to get to this position. We don't even think about the fact that we're seated at the table with Jesus. We don't even think about the fact that maybe Jesus is trying to put us in the place that he wants us. Maybe we don't need to be in the seat that we want. 
Maybe we don't need to be in the position that we want. Maybe you have a career aspiration and you wanna get to a certain status. Maybe you wanna work in a certain company and that's incredible, but maybe that's not where God wants you. Maybe you wanna live in a, in a city one day. Maybe you wanna leave Victoria and go to a certain place. And you're like, I've wanted to go there my entire life. I've looked at neighborhoods. I've got it all figured out. Maybe that's not where God wants you. Maybe you need to come to the seat of humility and say, I'm just thankful to be at the table. I'm just thankful for the grace of God that I'm even here right now. I'm thankful for the grace of God that I have breath in my lungs, that I woke up this morning. Come on, I'm thankful that I was able to get here tonight. God, whatever you have for me, I'm open to it. I'm just glad to be here. Just glad I have a seat, even if it's the folding seat that they had to pull out of the closet. I'm just glad to have a seat. I'm just glad to have a seat at the table with Jesus. So we have the seat of humility and then the seat that maybe all of us would really search after, verse 10, is the seat of honor. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. Now we have to be careful here because again, this can get real grace sometimes. And if we begin to seek the place of honor, then we kind of go back to the beginning to the seat of pride. So what are we really seeking here? Are, are, are we seeking for God to place us where he wants us to be placed? Or are we just wanting that last part where we'll be honored in, all, in front of all the people? Because I think that there's sometimes a difference between a better place and the place that's in front of all the people. Sometimes the place that God wants to take us that is better for us is not in front of all the people. It's not with all the accolades. It's not with all the things that the world accredits to, to, to fame and status and success. Sometimes the better place for us is the hidden place. Sometimes the better place is the place of sacrifice. Sometimes the better place is the place that you feel like you would never go to and God's like, that's exactly where I want you to be. The better place isn't always the place in front of everyone. So what are, we, what are we really seeking here? Even when we come to Christ, are we seeking to come to Christ? And this is gonna be strong, but I just have to say, are we coming to Christ because of what he can give us? Because we're offered salvation. Jesus died for our sins, but that should be enough. But I think the challenge for us, the challenge for me is, are we coming to Christ for what he can give us? Now, I believe in provision. I believe in healing. I've been healed. God has provided for me more times than I can count. Even today, I received some news about a, a way that God is gonna provide for me and my family that was completely out of the blue. I believe in that, but that's not why I seek him. That's not why I come to the table. I don't come to the table and say, okay, Jesus, I came to your table. I'm sitting here now. Give me, give me. Come on. Okay. Are we getting appetizers, Jesus? Are we getting desserts, Jesus? Come on, is this five course or seven course? or what? Do we have a buffet? Come on, what, what can I get? Why are we seeking him? Worship team, y'all can come. We don't come to Christ so that we'll be honored. 
Because really, it's us, it's us honoring him. We don't come to God for what we can get or where he can take us. Man, if I serve God for a little while, then, then, he's, gonna, then he's really gonna open doors for me. Then he's really, man, he's gonna, he's gonna influence my boss and he's gonna, he's gonna get, bring me the promotion. I, I hope all of that happens, but that can't be the reason that you come to him. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves and we really dig into the Bible, the exalting part that we wanna get excited for because the translation that, that I grew up reading, the, the King James or New King James, it says that if you come and humble yourself that God will exalt you. That's the word that it uses here. It says honored you. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, the way that God honors some of his greatest servants we probably wouldn't be too happy with. See, all of Jesus' disciples, the way that they were honored is that they lost their life for the gospel. All the disciples other than John were executed for the gospel. And even John, they dipped him while he was still alive in boiling oil. They fried him like some KFC chicken. And he came out of there still alive. Now, this wasn't like the fiery furnace because the fiery furnace in the Old Testament says they came out of the fire and they didn't even smell like smoke. That's not what happened with John. He had all the effects of the oil burning him, burning his skin, probably disfigured beyond recognition. And the only thing that saved him was Roman law said that if they did that and the person lived, then they got to live for the rest of their life. It was, it was kind of like a double jeopardy thing that we have in our system now. You, you, they, they couldn't try it twice. So then he was exiled for the rest of his life for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of being seated at the table with Jesus. That Jesus, if I get to sit at your seat, I don't care where you take me. I don't care what you do with my life. I, you, you can take it all, God, because it's already yours. Come on, it's the, it's the paradox that if you wanna save your life, you have to give it up. Some of us won't be honored here on earth. Some of the greatest men and women of God that have ever lived, we have no idea who they are. We won't know until we get to heaven because they weren't honored here on earth. I heard a story about the, the pastor that actually led Billy Graham, Reverend Billy Graham to the Lord, shared the gospel with a young man named Billy Graham. He, I believe he was working in a shoe, short, shoe store at the time. And that minister died and felt like he was a failure Felt like he had, God, I served, I, I tried my best. I'm sorry I couldn't do all that you had called me to do. And then Reverend Billy Graham went on to be one of the greatest evangelists, one of the greatest soul winners that has ever walked the earth. But the man that led him to the Lord died and felt like he was a failure. He wasn't honored here on earth, but I guarantee you he'll be honored in heaven. My grandparents, when they were missionaries to West Africa, they heard about a man who had spent years and years, decades, 
And this would have been in the early 1900s where it was hard to be a missionary. There's no FaceTime, no international flights. You had to take a boat. You were lucky if you maybe got a letter once a year from your family. Spent decades preaching the gospel to people in Africa. Then he moved back to the United States and took his own life because he felt like a failure. Because he had only won one man to the Lord. And he said, I feel like a failure. So he took his own life. Little did he know that that one man would go on to become a pastor. And I believe the last number I heard, three million people had been won to the Lord because of that one man. But that, but that pastor felt like he was a failure. That missionary felt like he was a failure because he was looking at himself. He was looking at people are gonna think, I, I went all these years, they're gonna think I'm a bad missionary. They're gonna think I'm a bad pastor. They're gonna think I'm a bad preacher. I, I, I can't deal with the pressure. I can't deal with the, what they think about me. Me, 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 and, I, and I, I hate that he felt that way, but how many of us feel like we're not making an impact? You feel like you've been witnessing to your friends at work for years and none of them have changed their life. You feel like you've been giving to ministries for years and it hasn't made any impact. You feel like you've been praying for your prodigal sons and daughters for years and nothing has happened. What if you just said, God, it's not about me. It's just about me coming and serving humbly and I'm gonna let you do the work. I'm gonna let you make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm gonna let you lift things up. I'm gonna let you change things. Let's stand together. I'm closing. Because I want to share one more seat with you. I know I told you that, I think I told you there was going to be four, but I want to share one more with you. Because this is our ultimate goal. This is our hope. This is our, this is the way to get through the hard times. Is there's another seat. We read about it in Ephesians chapter two, verse four. God is so rich in mercy he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace you have been saved. It's only by God's grace. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. We are seated with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. This parable has so many implications. It can help you on the job. It can help you on your marriage. Are, are you wanting to be served? Are you wanting to serve other people? There's so many ways that we can address this, but what I wanted to close with tonight, and I wanna invite our elder team, our prayer team to come forward. We're gonna open up the, the altars because this is the main point I have for you tonight and what I want you to take away. Choose your seat to be honored here on earth or to be honored and seated with Christ in heaven. Do you wanna be honored for a moment on earth or do you wanna be honored forever in heaven? Because if you choose to be humble, God will choose you to be honored. God will choose you to be honored. And what I felt as I was praying through this, 
And just thinking through it while I was at work, I talked with Pastor Bobby this morning. We wanna open up these altars because I wanna make sure that every person in here, that you know the seat that you have, that Christ has a seat saved just for you. And some of you need to be reminded of that because you've been saved for a while, but you feel condemnation, you feel shame, you, sh you, you feel fear, and you need to be reminded that you have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. When the enemy tries to cloud your mind, when he tries to confuse you, when he tries to lie about you, that, that, you're, that you're a piece of junk, that you're nothing, I, I, you can put in your own language, but, but that you'll never be anything, that you're always going to be a failure, that you're always going to be a sinner. No, you need to remind him, no, Satan, you are under my feet. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. But then I want to make room and I want to give an opportunity for people to respond tonight. If you're, if you're far from the Lord tonight, maybe you gave your life to Christ at one point, but maybe you left him, maybe you walked away for whatever reason. I, I, I'm not trying to put any more shame on you, but I do want to give you an opportunity to leave that. I do want to give you an opportunity to leave the, the seed of humiliation, the seed of shame, the seed of guilt. And I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ and be seated with him in the ultimate seat, the seat in heaven. And so I just want to give us an opportunity to respond. We're going to go back into a moment of worship, but this is deeper night. And yes, we want to go deeper in the word, but we also, we want to go deeper in the spirit. And so if you need something tonight, maybe it's not what this sermon is about. Maybe you need to receive healing tonight. Maybe you need a word of encouragement tonight. I want to begin to open up, and we're going to pray in just a moment. But even now, if you want to begin to come forward, I want to open up these altars. We want to pray with you. We, we want to break some things off of you tonight. We want to remind you of what Christ says about you, not what the world says about you, not what your status is to people, not what your status is to those that know you and, and those that put you down, but what is your status to Christ? What, what does he say about you? He says that you are loved. He says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that you are the head and not the tail. He says that you are the lender and not the borrower. He says that he has a future and a hope for you. The enemy's been telling you that there's nothing in the future for you, that you might as well just give up right now. You might as well just throw it all away right now. No, Jesus says that he has a future and a hope, that there are good things in store for you. So come on, just lift your hands right now. Dear Lord, every person in this place, I break off the spirit of pride, even the pride that is keeping someone from coming down here. The pride that's saying you don't want to go down there because what are people going to think about you? People are going to think you're a sinner. People that are going to think you're, you're, you're messed up. People are going to think that you got bad things going on. Lord, I break off that pride now in Jesus' name. Come out now in Jesus' name. We command all humiliation to go, all shame to go, all fear to go now. And Lord, I declare that we will be seated with you in heavenly places, that we're not worried about being honored here on earth. We're not worried about being talked about and being uh, uh, acclaimed here on earth. We're, we're worried about being seated with you in heavenly places. So come on, come down right now. If you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to be reminded of your seat, of your authority, these altars are open. I'm about to come down and pray for you. But come on, let's lift up our hands. Begin to pray in the spirit right now. Let's stir up the atmosphere in this place right now. 
you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.